This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Today's first reading is from the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I, the teacher, when king over Israel in Jerusalem, applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun, and see, all is vanity and a chasing after wind. I hated all my toil in which I had toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me, and who knows whether they will be wise or foolish. Yet they will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity." So I turned and gave my heart up to despair concerning all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes one who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave all to be enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What do mortals get from all the toil and strain with which they toil under the sun? For all their days are full of pain, and their work is a vexation. Even at night their minds do not rest. This also is vanity. The word of the Lord. I invite you to rise as we remember the words of our Lord Jesus. Our reading today is from the Gospel of Luke. It's in the 12th chapter. Someone said from the crowd to Jesus, Teacher, uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or an arbitrator over you? And then he said to all of them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them a parable. He said, The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And the man thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store all of these crops. And then he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns. I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and all of my goods. And then I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax and eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is being demanded of you. And all of the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is, said Jesus, with those who store up treasures for themselves and are not rich toward God. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace and mercy and peace be yours through Jesus. Uh, I had a whole congregation of farmers in my first congregation in southeast Missouri. I can tell you that uh, from that experience, which is a little limited, but they were not really eat, drink, and be merry kind of people. Um, 
was always something to be done on the farm. There was never any amount of rest. Uh, about the time you thought you were getting ahead, something would break down. Um, it used to be in old days you would sleep at night when it got dark, but nowadays they slap big headlights on top combines and tractors. And so when I hear this story today, something about it just doesn't exactly match for me. After who knows how long, this guy has been out there week after week, year after year, putting everything he has into the ground. And finally, one year, he has a good year. The land produced. That's good news. That's really good news. There's nothing in this text that suggests at all that he's a, a crook or, or dishonest or ripped anyone off. There's nothing to say that he, he raped the land with chemicals or didn't rotate his crops. All Jesus says about the man is the land of a certain rich man produced abundantly. In fact, uh, the idea that he's ready to kick back and, and relax after a good moment like that um, kind of gives my, my soul um, some relief. Uh, it's, I've known a lot of people who are never satisfied. It doesn't matter how good a harvest is from now to now. They're constantly worried about the future. And let's be honest, a whole lot of people in the world are like that right now. They have everything, and yet they just need more and more and more. But that is not this guy. That's not what he's saying. Still, he is what the Bible numerous places calls a rich fool. So what exactly is the problem? Well, first of all, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but he's talking to himself in this story. That, that's kind of interesting. A guy talking to himself. He's, he's having a conversation with himself, by himself, and the only thing he's talking about is himself. There's nobody else in the story, no one else. Until the very end of the story when God says, you fool, the things that you're working for, who's, who's going to inherit those? That, by the way, is exactly an echo from Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities, the things of which you have prepared, whose will they be in the future? So, this far, he's a hardworking, good fortune, knows how to run the farm, good businessman, isn't obsessed with working all the time. All of that is amazingly commendable. But then, given his skill and intellect and hard work and good fortune he begins to imagine that he can control the future. He starts this internal dialogue. He says, yeah, I, I know what I'll do next. I'll, I'll, I'll tear down these barns. I'll put up some bigger barns. I'll store away everything for ample years, and then I'll be able to eat, drink, and, and be merry. And he's making a promise to himself, a plan, that he will not be able to keep there are things that even someone with a good head on their shoulder and a good crop and good worth ethics and big barns cannot control. And the future is one of those things. And it appears that he doesn't understand that. Anyone in business, at least business very long, knows that you need to control all the things that you can control and you need to know what things you can't control. Anybody that's been working on sobriety knows the prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change the courage to change the things that I can, the wisdom to know the difference between those two. So here's a guy who's, who's rich, who's smart, good manager, hardworking, the weather's been good, he's blessed. But according to Jesus, he's also a fool. And he's a fool because somehow he thinks that he will get to control the future. Let me say that another way, directly. 
Whether you have a big house, a little house, or no house, whether you have good medical coverage or no medical coverage, whether you pay a ton of taxes or no taxes at all, whether you tithe or don't tithe, whether you go to church or don't go to church, whether you pray or don't pray, whether you're a Jew, a Gentile, a male, a free male, slave or free, Buddhist, Christian, Muslim, pink, yellow, beige, brown, Republican or Democrat, you die. You die. It's called mortality. It's the one reality of life. And it appears that in this story, the only person who doesn't understand that is a rich, successful man. Nobody is getting out of here alive. Everybody got that? Okay. Every Ash Wednesday in the church, we set aside one Wednesday night, and we pack the place, and we say these words, from dust you came and dust you shall return. Let's be honest. The rest of the year... The rest of the year, man, we take our vitamins, we go to the doctor's office, we eat a lot of oatmeal, and we try to sweep that as far under the rug with denial as we possibly can, as if we can control that. Now, I'm not preaching against vitamins, and I'm not preaching against medical care, I'm definitely not preaching against oatmeal. I like oatmeal. And Jesus is not preaching against a good crop and good business sense. But here is the thing. You can be the very best farmer there is. You can be the greatest long-range planner. You can be the most dedicated oatmeal eater. And if you don't know that you could die tomorrow, that life is a gift right now, that every breath you're breathing, even the one right now, is precious, you're a fool. The whole story is inspired by something related to death. Uh, Someone comes to Jesus with a request to help him get the fair share out of an inheritance. Tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Math teacher tells the class that someone has died, leaves a million dollars to five children. And then the math teacher asks the students, well, what is each one of them going to get? And little Jenny raises her hand and says, a lawyer. Rabbi, you know the law. Explain the law to my brother. Make him give my fair share. Inheritance is a really big deal. If you are not yet aware of that, you will be. You need a will. All of you do. You need a will for the sake of your heirs, and you need it for your own peace of mind. And every bit is appropriate, and maybe more. Put your name of your church on that will. Just as important as writing a check every single week or your designated electronic giving. And that's, that's not a commercial for the church. That's a commercial for the value of planned giving. Rather than who hands you an envelope the last few days of your life. And that's what started the whole parable. Thinking about death, a family feud, inheritance, about what's going to be left behind. And the answer is, everything is going to be left behind. And then Jesus uses that moment to caution the man and really everyone else within earshot, otherwise we wouldn't know the story, about the difference between storing up treasures for yourself as if you can control the future and being rich toward God. 
And you see, Jesus is headed to Jerusalem at this point. We're in the 12th chapter of Luke. He's already told his disciples that I'm going to Jerusalem. And when he gets there, he tells them, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me when I go there. The farmer is not the only one in the story that is breathtakingly close to their last breath. And Jesus is very much interested in the inheritance question. And it's not the brother's inheritance that he's worried about, and it's not the farmer's inheritance. He's concerned about the inheritance of of all the beloved people of God, all of the people of God. See, there are competing views in the world that we live in. One of them is this. Think only about yourself, build bigger barns, eat, drink, and be merry, as if you can actually control the future. But there's another vision. Paul shared it with the Colossians in our second reading. Seek the things that are above. Think of the things that are above. For you have already died, and you now are alive in Christ. There's no longer Greek or Jew, rich or poor, slave or free, barns or no barns. Christ is everything. Christ is all in all. Those are competing visions. A few verses from this reading in Luke. We'll hear it in a couple more weeks in worship. Jesus gathers just his disciples together, not the crowd, just his disciples. And he says to them, have no fear, little flock, for the Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. Now, let me make sure you heard that. Child of God, son of God, daughter of God. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's all the inheritance you're ever going to need. And it's eternal. Now here's my issue, and I have struggled with it this week and finally said, I, I, I think I'm not the only one, so it'll be worth going there. Deep down, when, when I am honest, um, I kind of admire the guy with the big barn. <laughs> I kind of like him. I mean, he's got a whole lot of stuff, and as it happens, I like a lot of stuff. And in this reading, Jesus sounds like he kind of like got out of bed on the wrong side or something. Sounds kind of grumpy. Um, most of us grew up with parents who advised us that with hard work and applying ourselves and ingenuity, that we could have a big barn all our own. And I mean, they were smart enough to not to use Bible language for it, but they knew us. So this is how we said it to our sons. I hope we did it right. You have to work hard, son. You, you, you have to apply yourself. You're going to have to save. You can't just always be spending and doing everything you want. You've got to apply yourself. And frankly, I preach that. I preach that at Lord of Life Church. We believe that. 10, 10, 80. Give the first 10% away. Save the next 10%. Learn to live off the next 80%. And yet, vanity of vanities. I worry. Vanity of vanities. They can do all of those things. 10, 10, 80. Work hard. And I worry for my children and for my grandchildren and for some of you. And I worry, frankly, for children everywhere. Why, why isn't there enough? Why don't they have a roof over their head? Why don't they have food in their stomachs? Why can't they afford any kind of barn? And, and why are bigger barns so darn important to us anyway? Can't everyone who works hard eat, drink, be merry? 
And what's the relationship between my barn and their empty stomachs? And are those really bad questions? Are we afraid to ask them? I mean, here, in a nutshell, Lutherans believe that everything we have, everything worth anything at all that we have is a free gift from God. Now, this is going to surprise some of you. Lutherans believe that there is actually such a thing as a free lunch, an eternal free lunch. Martin Luther argued that our joy, our peace, not just someday, but right now, comes not by our reason or understanding, Not by hard work or how big of a barn we build, but as a free gift from God through Christ for all people. But that's really hard to believe and to trust because we just didn't grow up that way. We grew up believing that getting A's were most important and being stronger, and being faster, and working harder than anyone else, and having the biggest barn on the block, sacrifice, getting what we deserve in the world. Most, most Lutherans, and I've tried this out many times, most Lutherans think that the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is in the Bible. It's not. And that's one of the reasons that we come to church. We gather around the Word and around the sacraments to remember that in the best of times when the harvest is great and in the worst of times when it sucks, that we have more than we're going to ever need, that we have what inevitable death cannot destroy, and we have it right now, right here, in the Word, in the sacraments, and it is a totally free gift for everyone. It's like manna from heaven. Go back to the farmer's first problem with me for a moment. Talking to himself about himself. He thinks he's a solo act. He thinks he's the only one that matters. It's just him and people like him. And Jesus announces that the gift of the kingdom is not to a single person. It's not to a single person who believes. It's not to one sheep. It's to the whole flock It is your Father's good pleasure to give y'all the kingdom. The plural. And it changes the whole story. God has given all to y'all. The guy with the barns, absolutely. He's included. Of course he is. But so are a bunch of other people we don't hear about in this story. The people out in the field harvesting. The barn builders tearing down, building up. The truckers who haul it. The people who package it. The folks who buy it. Not to mention the most important one of all. The one who brings the wind and the rain. It's not out of the question that this guy is a member at Lord of Life Church. I don't think we have a single farmer in our congregation, to be honest, but come on, I think we all understand when you live in the suburbs, bigger barns. And I've been really nervous about this text. I've been really nervous about pointing the finger and saying, you fool! Um, The world's got too many people calling people fools. And frankly, I've got a big enough log in my own eye that I don't need to argue about the splinter in anybody else's eye. So this is what I wanted to make sure that I, I said today. Beloved child of God, beloved child of God, your soul is secure forever, forever. 
And it's not by anything you've said or done or not said or not done or will say or will do. It is God's good pleasure to give you, give you the kingdom of God. And it's already done. He got the whole world in his hands. You can relax. You can eat and drink and be merry. You can relax. You, you can work and rest and care and share and serve. You can relax. You can be rich toward God and toward your neighbors. You can be generous with God and with others because your future, all of your future, is in God's good hands. Amen. Amen.